Well, we talk about weather a lot in agriculture, and sometimes we have good stories to tell, sometimes we have bad stories to tell. Right now we have an adaptation and adjustment story to tell because we're talking about hail. Hail, no. Okay, that's what we're talking about with Matt Swanson on this episode of Extreme Ags Cutting the Curve. Welcome to Extreme Ags Cutting the Curve podcast, where you get a guaranteed return on investment of your time as we cut your learning curve with the information you can apply to your farming operation immediately. Extreme Ag, we've already made the mistakes, so you don't have to. Managing your farm's water resources is a critical component to a successful and sustainable farming operation. Advanced drainage systems helps farmers just like you increase their yields up to 30% with their technologically advanced water management products. Visit ADSPipe.com to see how they can keep your business flowing. Now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Hey there, welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve, talking to Matt Swanson, Western Illinois farmer, affiliate of Extreme Ag, who got hail damage. So he already struggled with planting problems. His crops, some of them were in, some of them were still being planted, and he gets whacked with a hailstorm. I got to tell you, I saw hail, not very much, but I saw it once a few years ago. And I'm like, holy Hannah, this is amazing. There's just like a bunch of, it looks like your pencil out there, like a corn plant just doesn't look like your pencil, like stripped all the leaves off of it. So uh, I said, you know, why don't you come on and tell us what your adaptation is going to be? What are you going to do after the hailstorm? So then it becomes managing the money, the decided decision to replant, how to look at the crop insurance, et cetera, et cetera. All right. If you've ever wondered what to do after hail hits your crop, listen to this for maybe uh, some learning. Matt, what happened? What happened? Yeah, so uh, we were kind of a dry streak at the time. This was, gosh, I think May 20th or so. Uh, maybe I'm not quite that long ago, but something around May 20th. So you got corn that's anywhere from knee high to still below ground at this point right. for us. Um, we got a very localized hailstorm, but it hailed so hard it looked like it had snowed, and obviously it was warm, so it generated steam. I've actually got some pretty good pictures of it, but the ground was actually steaming just from the hail uh, evaporating. Um, but it stripped. We had soybean leaves that were stripped, or soybeans that were stripped to the stems. Uh, we had corn that was essentially stripped to the to the stock or the vertical portion and and didn't get a whole lot of rain out of it to boot so <laughs> just got the crap hail out of us yeah so you got you got no actual moisture it didn't bring rain then hail then rain it brought just ice cubes that beat the hell out of your crops yeah uh they were about the size of a peanut m&m and it just beat the hell out of everything Hey, by the way, if you're a listener, we appreciate it. If you're viewing us on Acres TV or on the Extreme Ag platform, you might be wondering why it's not bright and sunny. Matt's sitting in his office and he's wearing his sunglasses, doing his best Ray Charles impersonation. He just put in new contacts. And uh, before we hit record, I said, Matt, what the hell is wrong with you? He's like, he, he truly like looking over here and looking over there and blinking. So I said, just so that people don't think you're on something, why don't you put your sunglasses on? Hey, so what happens first? Do you go out and look at the damage and then do you call an insurance person? Isn't there some deal that crop insurance has a special clause for hail? Because I really don't know. I've never carried crop insurance because I rent my farm ground up. 
Yeah, so um, and it's it's an elective, um, but there is a what they call a wind and hail policy, at least here. I don't I assume that it's if it's fairly broad acre across the country, but yep. it's a separate election, a separate policy for just wind and hail. Um, so you're gonna evaluate it. I mean, typically you can go look at it initially three to five days, probably will give you a better look at it, um, what you're actually gonna have. And then, of course, uh, always call your crop insurance person because that's something that can be notified. I've I've had instances where I I called them, I said just FYI we got this, and I had forgotten that we'd done this part of the policy or that part of the policy, and like oh we can get a check for that. So, so do you have wind and hail? I hope crop insurance. What's that? You have wind and hail clause. Yeah, we carry wind and hail. It's just, like I said, it's a separate policy. Yeah. Okay, so then the answer is, what are you going to get? And so is it just like any other crop insurance thing based yeah. on actual proven yield for the last, or what do they call it? Actual. Well, it, it, it's APH actual production history. Yeah. Um, and it's, and they're going to adjust it based on that. And that's probably a question better for somebody else. Um, Cause that's math sometimes just seems a little wizard like to me, but um, a little they're going to come out and evaluate little, potential a, yield loss. A little wizard like math. All right. So they're going to tell you, okay, actual proven harvest or actual proven. What is it again? Actual proven what? Actual production history, I think. Is actual production good. history. Then go with APH. And then you don't take it times a multiple, like times 0.85 or something. And then, oh. yeah, okay. It works the same way as far as the check calculation. Basically, they're going to figure out what do we estimate your yield loss to be based on this event. And then we'll write you a check for that. And then I think you actually wait for the actual harvest of it if it's able to be harvested and then they adjust it from there. Are you going to then take, like, what's the assessment now? What's it look like? Uh, here you are a couple of weeks removed from the hailstorm. What's the, what are they saying? Yes. Yeah, so some of those beans, um, the complicating factor here, right, is it hasn't been raining. Um, if it had been raining, that replant decision is a lot easier because you can work it, not have to worry about soil moisture conditions and replant it. That's not uh, what we can do right now because yeah. it's very dry. Um, so the response has been, depending on the field and what it looks like, has been anywhere from replant in between or across the old rows, depending on depending on how the field's shaped, to just leaving it as it is and see how it comes out of it. Because we can't, Tilling it up is not an option right now. No. So that's the thing. On soybeans, if you were, if you were just an idea here, if the so soybeans will go to corn. On soybeans, here it is. You and I are recording this on June 15th. Yep. It, it, you could still make soybeans work. And yeah, if you if 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 you've got a plant and soybeans, especially early, are very sensitive to being destroyed by hail. Um, because there's once you get branches and stuff and you get auxiliary growing points it's not that's a not, not that a big deal but when they're smaller if you break that plant off below the cotyledon essentially that plant is your toast you're done right um so in a normal year you just work it or maybe not even work it just plant it again anyway it's not a big deal by the way uh, Spencer, the, person that want, the person that wants to know what a cotyledon is but was afraid to ask isn't that the base where the base hits the root the top of the roots or it base hits the ground isn't the cotyledon like down at the bottom so on soybeans it's actually the the two halves of the seed those are the cotyledon leaves they are not the huh? two halves of the seed but they, they come out it's the very the two funny looking leaves at the very base of a soybean plant before they fall off um on corn, it's just essentially it's just a growing point. The cotyledon is just the uh, what's the word I want to use? 
the very initial port of the plant, maybe is the way to say that. I think that's what I said. Okay. Yeah. Very initial. Anyway, our yeah. answer be this. If you had a soybean field uh, and you're you're looking at it, you know, you had some moisture, instead of even uh, tearing it up, could you just go out with like a half population and say, I think I need about, I think there's still some existing plants here. Could you just go through it like that? Or does that not work? I don't know. No, it, it's the same. It's the same principle. And it doesn't even, at this point, at that point, it doesn't even really matter if it got hailed on, if it's water damaged or whatever. Um, essentially what we do, what we've done in the past with soybeans that were really planted really early and then got frost and pole damage to them is we planted down the old, down the old row um, to crack the seed trench back open, try to give those ones that were still viable, the seed that was still viable, a chance to get out of the ground. And then we planted, I think a three quarter rate down the row. And we actually ended up, you know, between hundred and 125% of our intended stand doing that. Okay. So you would have, you could have even backed off. Maybe it's that three quarter could have gone. Yeah. You could have gone half. It's going to depend on really it's the replant decision, whether it's hail or anything else is, is heavily based on how, is it spotty or is it consistent? And what is the percentage of the stand that you wanted? Got it. Okay. So what's the decision right now, June 15th on the soybeans? Yeah, we left, we left all of them. We didn't tear anything up because of, you know, at least in part because of the moisture conditions. And um, you didn't go through, you didn't go through and replant? Some of the, depending on the field, some of them were planted at an angle to the existing row with additional seed. Just based on, just what, by based on going out and walking around is how you made yeah, your Yeah, see how many, how many viable plants do we have left? What are we shooting for? What's the planting date? Did you actually measure it or did you just eyeball it? Uh, no, you just measured it. Yeah. You walked the walk, walked a hundred, walked a hundred paces and did something walked like that. Different spots. This, you know, this spot looks the worst. What's our stand here? This spot looks the best. What's the stand here? And kind of figured out in between. There's a way you can walk a certain distance, count the number of plants, then take it times a multiple, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I would have to. I mean, in corn, it's a lot easier. Beans, I don't always remember, but in a 30 inch row, it's 17 and a half feet. You count the number of plants in a 17 and a half foot row, take it times a thousand, and that should be your population. Got it. All right, so let's talk about corn. You got hail damage on corn. Did you have corn that was up? You had corn that got damaged? What's going on with that? Yeah, so the the, the emerged corn or the bigger corn stripped all the leaves off of it. Um, the corn I don't get too worried about. It's the, the small, again, it's the small corn that's the problem, right? So we're in the tweener stage between when the corn's small, when it's really susceptible to hail damage, we're in the vegetative growth stage when this happened. So that's not a huge, well, the early vegetative growth stage. So like V3 to V7, we'll call it, where the hail damage doesn't do as much yield damage. Once you get past V7 to R1, that's where your hail damage really can cause some problems. Okay. So you you your corn obviously got stripped, didn't it? Yeah, we left all of it. You're not going to replant it. No. And a, plant, a corn plant. And, and part of that is because, you know, most of the time when you replant corn, there's going to be a, a fair amount. Most of that corn is going to survive if you don't tear it out or spray it or spray it and kill it. And with the soil moisture conditions we have right now, that tearing out an old stand, a viable stand is not a. Is Man, not how a, does it survive when there's no leaves? They need photosynthesis. Doesn't the hail? Yeah, just I mean, if you still leaves? have green tissue. It's still going to, it's not going to, it's not going to be very efficient. Right. But as it starts to put out new leaves, you're going to rebuild that factory and that's how it's going to go. 
So you did not replant or tear up any of the corn. But then no. if there was no crop insurance, if you had no hail policy, it'd be a different story. Are you saying? Nope, same, nope, same thing. Um, because really, it's that corn has to be V7 on before it's before the leaf damage gets really serious. I mean, it's not helpful. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would rather we have all the leaves on it. But with the soil moisture conditions and all of that stuff that we have right now, yep, tearing out and replanting it, a stand is wasn't wasn't a bad watch. All right, so you're telling me that even if it wasn't for the insurance policy, because it's easy to say, well, we're just going to let it go because you got the, you know, you got the safety net of the insurance. Even without the safety net of the insurance, you're telling me you still wouldn't replant that corn, even if it was riddled down to where the stalk looked like my pin right here with no leaves on it. You're saying, nah, we're going to still let it go. Yeah, we're going to, well, essentially, yes, because once it gets to a certain point, like, you know, like V8 where your yield, where your yield damage really starts coming in, most of the most years that's going to be too late to replant it in. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. All of a sudden, if you're, if you're a month and if, if, if you're five, six, seven weeks off of ideal planting time or six or eight weeks off, then, yeah. then what are you planting for? You're just going to have to deal with what you got. So what is your expectation of what you're going to got? Um, that, that corns was V3, V4, V5. You know, we may see 10% yield reduction on some of that stuff. Is that um, enough to then take an insurance claim? Uh, no, because if it's, you know, if your APH is, let's say 200 and you have 75% insurance, you're still going to get a hail claim regardless. Okay. You'll have a hail check, but again, that's a separate policy. Um, yes, yeah, so you won't get crop insurance. You won't get crop insurance because the, you're, you're, if you're 10% off a of yield, you are insuring to 80% or something. That's like right. That. right. Well, it's 10%. It's off of revenue. It's revenue based, but yeah. Okay, so you're not too so concerned. You may or may not get a revenue. You know what? What people when they think crop insurance, what they think is the revenue portion. You may or may not get a claim on the revenue, but you, if you have the hail endorsement, you will get a check for the hail endorsement. Yeah, so you're going to get a little check for the hail endorsement, and yeah. that might cover the ten percent deduct. If 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 we have the right kind of year from here on, you get adequate moisture and sun and growing degree units, you're going to end up okay. Yeah, and and if you have, I mean, if you have really great weather conditions after that, you may get your hail check and not see much of a yield reduction versus APH at all. Yeah. Um. Now the potential might have been higher. Yeah. But you may turn out okay on it. Depending so the on person that's that's uh farming that's never had a hail event, your your advice to them is, I'm I'm think I'm getting it here. Uh, first off, obviously assess the damage immediately. And yep. then if you got to replant, which thing are you looking at replanting first? Probably the corn because of the timing. Yes. Uh, yeah, because usually by this time it's big enough to damage it, the, the corn's going to have to go in first. Yeah. And then if you were going to replant, if you were going to replant the corn, does it tear up or is it just going in spot in? Uh, for Chemicals us, are already there. Fertilizers. For there. Us, it's a no, in a no-till situation. We're going to, we're going to spray it with something that'll just kill the, well, we'll kill the corn for sure. Um, and then we're going to probably set the planter over to the, you know, half, half a row over and plant in between the old rows. Which yeah. will knock, I mean, that's going to knock a fair amount of what's, stand, what's left standing over. In. Yeah. But it's, and then you're going to do full pass again with the fertility, the two by two. Yes. The, um, and actually, I think Kevin, talks, Kevin talked about this recently in another podcast. It's, yeah, you're going to have to reset that. 
because most of that infro place fertility and two by two place fertility is now it's not gone but it's not where the seed is so that doesn't it's like yeah, it's gonna be in your case on 20 inch rows it's 10 inches off of where you want it to be it's not where it's not gonna be any good right okay then on soybeans if you opted to do a replant on soybeans you did it uh 75 population and you did it and that's going to be based purely on what's what the stand is you know if you've got 25 percent of a stand left then we're going to go with 75 or 80 percent of the original population and we may bump that depending on what the date is you know if those beans were planted originally april 8th and they get hailed on may 20th we may say okay now i want my final stand instead of being eighty thousand, i want my final stand to be a hundred thousand in which case we're going to have to add, adjust for that would it make sense to go lesser? I mean, obviously the hail already knocked back a bunch of it. You know, Kelly has talked about reduction of population studies that he did, and he yeah. got tremendous yield at like 60,000 population. But is that because they got in so early and were able to establish themselves? Well, so, I mean, here's the best example I can give of this. So the the field we've, we've had in the past, we've planted fields the first week of April had a frost event or just a, a, a moisture saturated environment right and then had a very inconsistent stand and we've had places where you have you know close to 100 stand and places where you have 25 or no stand because standing water or something like that and we've replanted those in the second or third week of may based on weather or whatever timing or we got to it at that point and I and in the places where we had good stands, and we planted a full, in this case, we planted a full population or a full seeding rate for the time of the year that we are. Okay. So we're going to adjust our seeding rate based on the time of the year. So when we replanted those, we planted a full seeding rate for the time of the year because we had places with nothing. Yep. And places with decent stands. All right. What we found is the places that had a decent stand, they kind of choked the new beans out for the most part, but we had phenomenal beans in those areas because you had the old stand plus the new stand. Right. The old stand benefiting from the early flower production, all that stuff. And the places where we had nothing, they were still good because we planted the full seeding. I'll tell you about the money. Do you get made whole? Does your, does your hail check? I mean, do you have to rebuy the seed or is replanting seed free even on hail? So the replants insurance covers seed and the actual pass itself so whatever they build in it yeah they use diesel time equipment and it's not something where you turn in an amount you take up a certain amount of replant insurance a certain dollar amount and that's what you get if you have to replant you get that okay so the point is you look at it as your cost uh, was covered your time was not no the time is covered too i mean there the, the insurance depending on what you took is generally covered yeah. Okay. You're gonna have to do it again. Yeah. Like you can't physically add more hours to the day, but other than that, you're made all. Yeah. How many acres did you have to replant, Matt? Uh, I mean, how many of your uh, what of your mix were half of your acres damaged? No. Um, one third, one fourth, 10 percent. Okay. And of that, we probably replanted halfish. Person that's going to go through their first ever hail damage, I want you to tell me what your recommendation to them is while you're thinking about your advice to somebody that walks out tomorrow and says, oh, shit, my, yeah. my, my, well, uh, I want to, before you think about that, I want to tell our listeners uh, something that I think was going to help them out. And it's about fertility. 
if you want to squeeze every penny's worth of available nutrients out of every acre you farm, Titan XC from Loveland Products improves nutrient availability, increases plant uptake, so you can get the most from your dry fertilizer investment. Visit LovelandProducts.com to learn more. One more thing I want you to think about is how you can save money and reduce stress. Some cool stuff that I learned when we were at Commodity Classic, we went to a Loveland little uh, luncheon. We talked about Terramar, all about stress reduction. So if you have stressful produ uh, production situation, like Matt has right now, very, very dry, we're probably going to move into the hot part of the season. He just had hail, for God's sakes, locusts are coming. I mean, let's face it, what's more stressful than that? Terramar is a stress reduction product. If you want to learn more about it, it's, ex it's exclusively available from Nutrient Ag Solutions. You can find out more about all this stuff at lovelandproducts.com. All right. Your advice is somebody that walks out tomorrow and hail hits them. Yeah. So managing a hail damage crop is, is a, is almost could be a whole nother podcast, but we'll hit the highlights, right? So once you've got a, a hail damage crop, you have to realize several things. One, your yield potential may or may not be lower. That's completely dependent on what your situation is and what you got left. Right? Almost like timing. And when also when it it's, comes, it's, hail yeah, comes, it's timing, hail comes it's, May 15. What do I have left? It's all these things, right? But you've got to make a call on what do I think? This is what my original yield potential was. And this is what my new yield potential is. Okay. So that changes your fertility, changes several things. Okay. Or if, if you if you've already applied all your nutrients, then you're kind of all in at that point, right? Yep. Um, if you haven't, you have the ability to pull back like we do and say, okay, well, our new yield potential is this. So we're going to adjust what our yield goal is. That's going to bring our fertility cost down because we're going to pull it back. Um, but what you do have to realize is you now have openings in the armor of that plant all over, right? So you've got to worry about the water is going to have splashed dirt up on your plants. So any disease that was on the soil is now on your plants and it's now covered in open source, essentially, right? And you're going to have not really that big of a because, okay, that's like the meteor effect. Uh, it's like the meteorite effect, right? It hits, but is that that big of a deal? I mean, that would seem to me like that would be probably, I mean, obviously the, the crop being stripped or just absolutely pounded to where it doesn't exist is the biggest thing. The fact that it splashes dirt up there, how big of a risk factor do you think that is? Uh, it's, it's a factor. It's not the only factor for yeah. disease, certainly, right? Yeah. I mean, you have windborne diseases and things like that. But any soil-borne diseases, especially if you're like in a corn-on-corn -corn environment or things like that, especially a no-till corn-on-corn environment where you have lots of residue with disease present and that splashes it up on a plant, typically not as big of an issue because you the plant's got its full armor on, right? When you mm -hmm. strip the leaves off, you open all those wounds, it doesn't have that anymore. Okay. So for us, our response is going to be, and you, okay, well, before we get to that, so you've got the open wounds issue, we'll call it, and you've got a lack of photosynthetic ability, especially before it puts the new leaves out. So you've got two issues essentially that you have to address. And both of those are gonna be, it's gonna be a combination, but both of those can be addressed at least in part foliarly, right? So on the fungicide side, obviously that's 100% foliar. Mm -hmm. We're gonna go out with the fungicide and depending on the timing of the, of the season, how much money we've spent, we may move our, High quality fungicide, we may move that up to our hail damage timing, right? Mm -hmm. Go out with our, our high quality fungicide, 
you've got a plant that's leaking a bunch of juice, essentially, right? That's going to attract insects. So you need to go out with an insecticide at the same time. How day. soon after? I mean, are we talking try and do this all within a few days? Uh, it's within the three to five day window is it would be yeah. my recommendation. So all of a sudden you're thinking, because I never thought of this. Okay, yeah, there's going to be insecticide, insect issues, because like you said, you just busted up in a bunch of plants. So there's, there's juice yeah. and open vegetation everywhere. Okay. Right. And, and, and people will sometimes fight me on this, but I, I would tell you nine times out of 10, that if you have, that if an insect or disease has the choice between attacking a healthy plant, especially insects and attacking a, a damaged plant, I can tell you which one they're going to go to first. It's always going to be the damaged one, yeah. right? So the fungicide, you've got an insecticide, and then you've got to address full, at least start to address foliarly replacing some of that photosynthetic ability with something else okay so for us typically with the fungicide and insecticide we're going to run something like ccat from teva we're going to run a sugar source again we like the i like the mmts from teva but there are other options um and then we're going to say okay what portion of the growing season are we in and what nutrients are in high demand and we're going to address those things because we're going to lose you basically damaged your pump mm -hmm. by damaging the photosynthetic ability of the plant. So now you need to replace what that pump would have brought up, essentially. By the way, um, you talked about going out there and spraying it, but you replanted. Did you do your replant first, and then you went across with the sprayer? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it's assume it's going to depend on how much rain you got. Like in this yeah. case, we did get a whole lot of rain. So yeah. ideally, you can do both at once if you can't. Um, you're probably going to do actually, honestly, to me, if I have to do both, I'd probably spray first mm -hmm. because that's going to be faster. Yep. Uh, and then get, unless it's going to be several days and then get the replanting. You just talked about how to manage a hail, a hail crop. Does this happen more in Western Illinois? Is this the re is this the reason that when I think of Illinois, I think of the good part, like somehow champagne, whereas over there where you are, you're in the hail band. Um, we're not in the derecho band, which is, seems to be north of us slightly. I'm, I'm making a crack. I don't think there is such a thing as a hail band, although I, it's my observation that it happens more in the plains states than it does where we're from. Yeah, no, I certainly, yeah. I think the Kansas, Nebraska, Western Iowa, Missouri type situation is, is probably more common. They should probably, they should probably just leave crop production to people like in the United States, don't you think? I'm completely okay with that. <laughs> uh we're kidding we're kidding we're both i-state guys his name is matt swanson my name is damian mason you know what we record cool stuff all the time it's called extreme ice cutting the curve we also produce videos on site at events we do panels we do events we do field days for crying out loud june 22nd next week we're going to be at kelly garrett's in august we're going to be at Ma uh, kevin matthews and also at temple roads this is what we do we're a learning platform matt has one more thing speaking of learning he wants to share with you about hail yeah, Damien. So essentially, you know, we talked about hail, but this is essentially the same thing, the same evaluation we're going to do for wind damage as well. Uh, it's it's really not basically any stand damage. It's the same evaluation. So, yeah, with, with, one, the green snap with, with issue, one exception, with one exception, um, those hail damaged corn plants you claim can come out of it. A knocked down corn stalk never comes back. So it's, yeah, if it's green, analysis. If it's, green but, snap, if it's green snapped, it's done. Yeah, once it's snapped off, it never comes back. And there's probably, and they're under hail, more of that 
booger it up plant leaf that then invites insects than there would be under wind because wind will more of a flattener right yeah i mean if you have bad wind it's going to snap it off so yeah so it's the same analysis looking at the plants playing at the population look at the stand then look at your conditions and then judge the moisture and then get across with a sprayer because you can do 120 160 feet at the time fast yeah. and then go ahead and decide on your replant if you're going to replant and then what your population is and your point on corn is don't replant if it's still can start leafing out again well, and on the soy, I mean, even yes, and on the in, the in the corn, it's a window, but on the soybeans, I mean, as Kelly has shown in his just straight planting trials, but also yeah. there's been a couple of replant trials done. I mean, if you have a fairly even stand of 60,000 soybean plants and it's the end of May, I'm probably going to leave it because that's, you know, you don't need a hell of a lot more than that. And the data shows that uh, you're probably not going to benefit. I like it. We're talking about damage, we're talking about hail damage. Hail, no, we're talking about storm damage. And you've heard all the ways to go ahead and, and still uh, get a crop. I want to cover this topic again come fall and see where you end up. So I want to do that then. And your expectation right now, it's more about ongoing moisture because you're dry. Do you think the moisture is going to be a bigger factor than the hail? Uh, yes, I would say so. Yeah. Oh, I think you're probably right. Cool. All right. He interrupted me the last time I tried to close out. Same story. He's Matt Swanson. I'm Dave Mason. This is Extreme Ag. Cutting the curve where you can get awesome information. Go to extremeag.farm for more information. And remember, you can become a paying member and get exclusive content from the guys for a very, very small amount of money. But until then, share this with someone that can learn from it. We are building a community of great agricultural education here to up your farming game and shorten your learning curve, hence the name of this podcast. Till next time, thanks for being here. That's a wrap for this episode of Cutting the Curve, but there's plenty more. Check out extremeag.farm where you can find past episodes, instructional videos, and articles to help you squeeze more profit out of your farm. Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Advanced Drainage Systems, the leader in agriculture water management solutions. 